Our second reading today comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 29 through chapter 12, verse 2. Let us continue listening now for a word from God. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouth of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and rooted foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run the race with perseverance, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Friends, these two are the words of God for the people of God. Thanks. Let us pray. O good and gracious God, still our hearts today. Calm our to-do list and still our fidgeting hands and open us up. Open us to receive your word. In your holy name we pray. Amen. This time of year is one of my favorite times of the year. I think it really, we're special and lucky in that we get two New Year's, one in December and one in August. I love when the shelves are stocked with fresh school supplies and fresh office supplies and wandering through them looking for new pens and new highlighters and new notebooks to sample is one of my great joys in life. This year I treated myself, myself to some new pens and a fancy new notebook to be my sermon notebook because as you might know it takes a good bit of study, a lot of Jesus, and a lot of notes to make a sermon happen. So I could not wait to start working on this sermon because I was going to use my fancy new notebook. 
And then I sit down to read a commentary on this text, and one of the first things that I read was this. Jesus Christ is a reminder that finite goods of the world, like new school supplies, cannot give life meaning. And I thought, hmm. What gives life meaning is not these fresh, brand new school supplies, the new backpacks or new lunch boxes, although they are certainly nice. What gives life meaning is that feeling of connection, of belonging, of being loved, of being enveloped into a greater story, which is exactly what the author to that letter in Hebrews is trying to say. Those Christians the author was writing to were demoralized and discouraged. Historians aren't quite sure exactly why these Hellenistic Jews in Rome were in such distress. But what is abundantly clear is that whoever was reading this letter, they were under some extreme external pressures, being imprisoned and maybe even having their property confiscated. So this good and faithful Christian friend sends these letters, letters that remind them that their faith will carry them onward and that they are not alone. The author does this by reminding them of the good things that God has already done. The Hebrew letter contains what is commonly referred to as the faith hall of fame that we get just the tail end of in our verses this morning. It names people like Cain and Abraham and Sarah, Moses and Rahab, and even a few events like the parting of the Red Sea and the scaling of the walls of Jericho. But it is faith itself that reveals the hand of God in these Kairos moments of our faith stories with these Hall of Fame figures. When their futures were not certain, the people in the Faith Hall of Fame chose love. The author gives these Christians courage to endure, to have a realistic faith for their future by reminding them what God has done in the past and calls those figures a great cloud of witnesses. I love that imagery, a cloud of witnesses. Witnesses aren't just observers that are sitting around in the background, but they take an active role. Abraham, Sarah, Moses, all of these figures are active in the faith of these Christians who now find themselves distressed. And through that great mystery of faith, the cloud of witnesses reminds them to trust in the promise of God's love. And clouds. Clouds, I think, are pretty cool in that they are always changing and growing, dissipating as the winds and the pressures of our systems change. But the neatest thing about clouds in this imagery is that clouds are made of water. In our faith, in our baptisms, right there, when water washes over us, God washes us clean. God claims us into the fold, a great cloud of witnesses. We all have clouds of witnesses from our biblical ancestors in faith to the people in our lives that we have crossed paths with, people that surround us, that support us in faith, 
people that remind us that we are loved and that remind us to love. When I think of my great cloud of witnesses, the first person that comes to mind is a woman named Uh-oh. Yes, we really did call her Uh-oh. That was what she asked to be addressed as. Uh-oh was one of my Sunday school teachers for a couple different grades at First Presbyterian Church in Morganton, North Carolina, which is the church that I grew up in. Uh-oh was older. She was the grandparent of kids around my age, and then she always wore her hair up in this like loose bun and these very majestic, drapey clothes that I thought were really neat as a six-year-old. I remember that Uh-Oh used to always make us sing the Gloria Patri extra low so that she could hit that little high note in there. And if you didn't start it low enough, she would stop you and ask you to restart it. <laughs> but the things that I remember most about Uh-Oh, there's two, are first of all, I remember that she was old. Now, she'd tell you that she was old, so I feel comfortable telling you that she was old. But she still very faithfully showed up to nurture our faiths, to teach me and my friends over and over again of the many different ways that God loves us. So in this season when there is an ad at the bottom of your bulletin inviting you to consider being a children or youth volunteer or perhaps a PAL mentor, if you self-identify as old, you can still participate too. And the second thing that I remember about Uh-Oh was that she took the time to get to know us. She got to know me. She knew that I came to church with my grandmother who is sitting over there today. She knew that my favorite crafts and activities in Sunday school were those ones that we all got to do together, like building um, the temple out of sugar cubes. Like She knew us. And then one day when I was in high school, I think, a little older, she said something to my class about showing up. Now, this wasn't to guilt us into coming more or to make us feel bad, but she said that because we are loved here at Sunday school in this space, that when we aren't here, that we're missed. That was the beginning of my understanding that church was a community. Church wasn't just a brick sanctuary with slate floors or a youth lounge with a weird movie theater wall and a pool table. Church is relationships. Church happens to be when two friends that were in those same Sunday school classes throughout all those years stood beside me as I got married in that very same sanctuary to Thomas. Church is when those two friends that ironically moved to Richmond, which is where Thomas and I moved here from, now live in Richmond and are still friends together, and we can catch up like nothing has ever passed. Church is community. Church is knowing that we do not walk through life alone because God is with us. That cloud of witnesses is among us. Earlier this week, I was invited to go and give a devotional at MAP International's team meeting. Some of you might not know, MAP is a nonprofit organization that our church has had a pretty close relationship with since its beginning, but they send medical supplies all over the world to communities who need them. And they're based out of Brunswick, and they have these team meetings monthly, right? Monthly. And in our devotion, we talked about the great cloud witnesses. 
we did a little bit of research on what it is and why it's important, our biblical cloud, and then we talked about our great clouds of witnesses. I asked the people who were there and the people who joined us on Zoom to share who encourages them in their faith, who makes them feel loved, who encourages you to do good in the world. I shared about uh-oh because if you're new to an environment and you ask somebody to do some sharing, you have to raise your hand to go first. Then others followed suit, naming their coworkers, or naming people in their family, or even naming their Bible studies as their clouds. But as they were sharing these stories, these kind of vulnerable stories, in a conference room at Mass International, with cubicles on one side and a massive warehouse filled of medical supplies on the other side. Well, that just felt like church. Even though we weren't in a place with beautiful floors or an organ background, it felt like church because we were building a relationship together in Christ. A cloud was forming among us. Friends, it is fundamental in our Christian faith that we do not walk through life alone. We experience the joys and the hardships of life alongside our Creator and our Redeemer, who experience the joy of community and the suffering of death. Through the community that God makes in us, through our cloud of witnesses, we don't walk through life alone. So as we begin a new school year with fresh new pencils and crisp, clean notebooks, Think about who is in your cloud. Who is it that encourages or encouraged you in your faith? Who reminds you that you are loved? And who inspires you to do good in the world? Friends, who is in your cloud?